welcome. You are listening to Grace Capital Church Podcast. Sherry, would you come up? Sherry has a word for us. Sherry's one of our elders here in this campus, and she has a word I think is absolutely timely for everything we're going through. So as we were going through praise and worship this morning, we heard all the wonderful things about giving and the opportunity we have in the community. I felt like the Holy Spirit really put it heavy on my heart that um, although we're standing here and we're rejoicing in that, that there are some people in here who are kind of have a question, their heart maybe buried, buried, I sense it buried very, very deep inside that your outward person is saying, yeah, let's do that. But somewhere deep in the deepest part of your spirit, you're saying, but what about me, God? Like we're doing this great work and we're all about outreach and all about the community. And today he's just saying it's not either or. It's not about the community or about you. But that he just wants to encourage you. He's big enough to do both. He's going to be working in a community. And he's going to be working in your heart at the same time. One isn't going to be sacrificed for the other. And I just feel him saying you're not forgotten. Although I'm doing work in Manchester, I'm also knocking on the door of your heart. And you were able to hear him for you, and he desires that intimacy. So although we're getting, we're getting excited about what the Lord's doing, and it's a great corporate work, don't lose heart that somewhere in the midst of all of that, that you're being lost. It's not either or. Amen. It's both. And there is room in his ability for you and not only is there room he's desiring to do a work in you and i also just felt him saying today is a really special day so just press into that claim that for for yourself because the more the lord is real to you the more you hear him for you the more you reflect him and that's really we can't be effective and do the work that needs to be done until that work is done so it's not either or that's what he kept saying not either or it's both tell them it's not either or they're not forgotten i'm doing a work very intimately in the lives of each and every one of us amen thank you sherry i really appreciate that um that's our heart our heart here is to equip the believers, the saints, to do the work of the ministry. We're a, we're a church that is so open to the Holy Spirit. When I say the word open, it's greater than the word being led. Because we desire for him to come in and totally rock the way that we do life. We want him to, to totally do church with us. I mean, we come with this expectation that... that uh, you know, we're going to come and sing. We're, we might hear a word from the Lord. We, we're going to come sing and hear a message, go home. And, but really, this environment is for all of us to hear the word of the Lord for us. This environment is for us to encourage each other as the body of Christ and to be built up and strengthened so that we would be empowered to go out and do the work in and around our lives, our own families, and then our communities. Guys, sometimes we get so excited about the work in our communities, we forget our own family. And we have to be a, a church that focuses on our family first. And then through the strength of our family, we could do great things in this city. Amen? So, but it begins in, in our hearts, in the change that he wants to make in us. So, it's a perfect segue because I want to ask you guys the question, have you guys ever been persecuted for your faith. Yeah, I mean like really persecuted. Have you guys have you guys experienced physical harm because of your faith? No. Well, I mean I have experienced persecution, maybe not on the level that 
other Christians around the world are experiencing it today. But if you talk about verbal attacks, if you talk about having to defend yourself through argument, I'm, I'm, I'm definitely someone who loves to have a good debate, right? But I'm not normally an argumentative kind of guy. I, I, don't, I like to listen. I like to talk. I might interrupt you. But that's only because I'm really into the conversation and really into you. So if I interrupt you, it's not a, it's not a bad thing. Somebody said that the French kind of do that. I don't know. I have no French in me. But the, the whole concept of this arguing, you know, my wife would probably say differently that I'm very argumentative. <laughs> but really my nature is, is, is I, I love to have good conversations and, and good debate. But I've, I've never been actually persecuted for my faith in Jesus in a way that my life was harmed. I can tell you I've had some pretty amazing conversations. I've even had an atheist defend me for my faith in Jesus Christ. An atheist. It was an incredible conversation sitting around a dining room table at a restaurant when me and a, a bunch of co-workers, you, you guys realize that it, sometimes it's your co-workers that bring the persecution. Sometimes it's your own family. But I'm standing there with these co-workers of mine, and me and another believer are there at the table along with everybody else on the team, and this one guy just continued just to berate me and just try to tear me down, and it was, it was I don't even remember anything that he said, but when he asked me a question and I said that I believed what I believed, he actually got up on the table to hit me physically, and another friend of mine who is an atheist, we've had these conversations many times, pushed him back into his chair and, and went to speak about Job. I can remember this so clearly. I don't remember what the other guy was talking about, but into my defense came the words of the, the word of God came in to defend me in that situation. And an atheist accurately depicted the story of Job to put the other guy in his seat. God was there the Holy Spirit was there, and he led that conversation. I'm telling you this because we do, we do suffer persecution from time to time because of the things that we believe. We're actually punished by the culture around us for our faith in Jesus Christ. If you don't believe me, turn on the TV, <laughs> open up a magazine, read the newspaper. There are many things in this culture that come against the ideals of Jesus Christ, the way that he has intended for us to live. So we're going to be looking today at the Church of Smyrna. And the Church of Smyrna was located in a little city, which is today, it's Izmir, which is the third largest city in Turkey. But Smyrna was a metropolis of the first century. I mean, this was one of the most beautiful cities in Asia gorgeous in it, and it began down in the, the, the low valley of uh, Pagus, the Mount Pagus in, in um, Turkey, and it began down the low part and just built its way up the mountainside, and it was surrounded, it had a landlock and a, and a protected harbor, and this was a, uh, a place where just so much commerce and so much beauty. This, and the, beauty the, the buildings were beautiful. Uh, the, the people were actually pretty harsh and judgmental towards outsiders. 
Some people say that that's kind of like Paris today, but I've never been, so I wouldn't know for sure. Maybe someday I'll, I'll go to Paris, but that's the likeness, harsh and judgmental towards outsiders. And it, it, it was the birthplace of Homer, not the cartoon, because I know you all went there in your head. <laughs> no, the, the philosopher Homer. And... Um, it was a place where there were these, these roadways and these little, these little um, trails systems that led to these temples and these places of, of idol worship and Caesar worship, and they worshipped other Greek deities. It was, a, it was really a mecca for spirituality in the, in the essence that it, it, the, it was the place where they worshipped the emperor. It was known for two things. The, the city of Smyrna was known for two things. Beauty and tremendous persecution. So being that the, the infrastructure for the city was so great, the people were so beautiful, the, the buildings themselves were gorgeous works of art, and there was, a thriving, there was a thriving culture there that was yet just so pagan. It looks very much like a lot of our American cities today. Yet in all of the beauty, there was tremendous suffering. Christians were the ones that suffered the most. It was known as a city of extreme persecution. So Jesus is the one who addresses the church of Smyrna. And I want us to go there. If you have your books, if you have your Bibles, I'd love for you to open up to Revelations 2, verse 8 through 12, and it'll be up on the screen as well. I'm going to read it to you. You're going to hear what, who Jesus was speaking to, what he was saying as an encouragement to the city, to the church. And to the angel of the church in Smyrna, write the words of the first and the last who came and died, who died and came to life. This is Jesus. I know your tribulation, your poverty, but you are rich. And the slander of those who say that they are Jews are, and are not, but are a synagogue of Satan. Do not fear what you are about to suffer. Behold, the devil is about to throw some of you into prison, that you may be tested, and for ten days you will have tribulation. Be faithful unto death, and I will give you the crown of life. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. The one who conquers will not be hurt by the second death. There's so much to unpack here. But I want you to know that these people suffered tremendous physical persecution. Jesus is the one who came. He said, I am the first and the last. So don't be afraid. I already know what's going to happen, and I want you to stay the course. Be faithful to me even unto death. He's the one who established that church and he called it his bride. He knows their tribulation and their poverty and, and also their slander. I want you to hear what these Jews would say about the church. Now, when Jesus says the Jews who are actually not Jews, what he's saying is that they were Jewish by birth, 
in the lineage of Abraham, but they did not possess the spiritual inheritance because their hearts were hard and they turned away. They came, and it, it, this is where Satan, okay, the synagogue of Satan, it's when religion comes in, takes over a church, and all you have is the strong hand of a religious group of people to wield devastation against the true heart of the, the bride of Christ. We talked a little bit about that in the, in, in, about Ephesus. When, when a church becomes all about morality and they forget the relationship with Jesus, it could go very bad very quickly. And this is what happened here. So you have these, these um, Jewish religious Pharisees saying things about the Christians. They didn't understand. And so instead of, instead of just trying to understand, they called them different things. They called them cannibalists. Because they took part of the bread and the juice, the wine, the body and the blood of Jesus Christ. And they will literally take that to think that they're actually partaking as people together, those elements, the blood and the body of Jesus Christ. And then there was also, the, they were called um, immoral. It's just kind of funny that they would call, themselves, call these people immoral because they would call their love feasts orgies. Their love feasts. They would call, the Christians would call these love feasts where they would come together and eat a meal. Basically, it's a potluck. <laughs> right? That would be a, quite the stretch if they called our potlucks something like that. But they were also called atheists because these people did not believe in the Greek gods. So they were deemed atheists because they didn't worship with them. And they were also called arsonists because they spoke so much about the fire of the Spirit. And they also spoke about the fire of judgment. So obviously they're arsonists. Look out for your homes. So they were also called rebels and disloyal to Rome because they did not worship Caesar. They were called homewreckers. And this is the part that I think that we as Christians can certainly identify the most with. Because in a very family-centric society, even today, these Christians were faced with such persecution because when those Jews that converted to Jesus to, to follow Jesus, they became Jesus followers. And in doing so, they had to separate themselves from a family that just worked toxic relationship. And they, the, the Christians would actually teach, whether it's right or wrong, to separate yourselves from your family that did not believe. So therefore, you were, you were a homewrecker. Kind of an interesting thought. And today, I would say that is probably the most accurate place that we can identify with. Because when we come to Jesus Christ, there is division. Jesus did say uh, in Luke 12.53 that he's going to set father against son, son against father, mother against daughter, brothers against brothers. You see that there's a, there's a d d division when, when you begin to believe truth and you have an opposing force with you, there is a natural separation. But Jesus says, do not fear what you're about to suffer. See, he knows what's coming. He already, he died on the cross and rose again. He knew what was about to happen and he says, don't sweat it. 
He said to take heart. He himself has defeated death. So what does persecution look like for us today? I want to take a second and jump into the aspect of Caesar worship. And many people in Smyrna worshipped Caesar. It was a legit religion. It was, a, it was something that people did together. They erected these, these statues of Caesar and bowed down at the feet of Caesar. Something very spiritual about that. About many people coming together and worshipping at the feet of an idol. We don't do that today. That would be kind of ridiculous, right? We don't erect any statues of Obama, I hope. <laughs> or Bush, I hope. We don't do that. You know, we don't, we don't prop these... We don't prop these celebrities into this place of idol worship, right? Foxborough Mass. I mean, come on now. <laughs> I mean, I like Tom Brady, but, you know. But we do this because it's our culture. Our culture doesn't worship Caesar like in the old days, but it does do this. It worships personality. This is a dangerous place. If you worship personality, you're in a, you're in a idolatry in your walk with God. If you prop up these people to be somewhat like gods, that you follow them around... You can't stop talking about them. That's one of those things that we have to come to realize is that's sin. We do this in our society today. I mean, look at our television shows. When we don't get on that same bandwagon... You know, we're not talking trash about Peyton, and we're, we're, we're coming around and, and, and talking about Tom Brady or whoever. I'm just giving him as, as, as an example. And Tom, I'm sorry if you're listening to this. I don't know why you would be, but, you know, maybe. That would be kind of cool. But when we, when we talk like this in our community, or we, when we choose not to participate with this type of culture worship in our society, we actually get um, sidelined by people in our lives. When that thing is not the cool, th- we, 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 don't, we don't jump on with the cool uh, trends and we don't, we don't follow what's popular. We, we get sidelined by family and friends and coworkers and we just become like, we're not going to go there because we worship Jesus and, and he's, it's, everything is about him. And who cares what's, what celebrity is doing what? Now, we could even take this into our own homes. And and the part that really impacted me was I have two kids, a wonderful, beautiful wife. And I can see, even in my own life, how you can take your own family and prop them up into an idolistic mentality where it's all about them. Now, when you came to Jesus Christ, so for some people that came to Jesus later on in their lives, what happens is that your priorities change and shift from your kids to Jesus. And for those people that have seen that change take place, there have been some very deep wedges. 
because there is now a wedge being driven, and it's not about the kids anymore, it's not about the wife anymore, it's not about the husband anymore, it's about Jesus. And that's the wedge that I'm talking about, that division that actually comes into our own homes. But when our eyes and our focus is on Jesus in our own homes, we have... We have a community of believers. We have, we have balance in, with our family, our kids, and everything else because we know the, the person we need to be focusing our eyes on. But I personally have had dealt with that division, brothers of mine who don't follow the Lord, who have cut off that relationship because I follow Jesus. You know, we have... a relationship but it's nothing like it used to be and that's it's a hurtful place for a believer to be and some of you are nodding like this is something that I I have actually dealt with this this is hurt this is hurtful and it actually is still like you know those are tender wounds they're still kind of soft but Jesus says that to to take heart Yes, the persecution's subtle, but it's there. We don't have to worry like Christians worry in Egypt and Syria, in Turkey, Afghanistan, in Pakistan, in Iraq and Iran, where Christians are being persecuted, Russia, Ukraine. We're talking across the world. You can almost pick any, any culture, and there's tremendous persecution against those who believe in Jesus Christ. We don't have to worry about death so much, but we still deal with persecution. What Jesus is saying is for us to be faithful to him, to be faithful unto death, and I will give you the crown of life. In some ways, this kind of seems to me to be fatalistic. You know, it's like a doomsday. It's kind of like, ah... Well, I'm, I'm going to die for my faith. But that's not really what... If they, are, they dealt with that. But in today's terms, we're not going to deal with that in America. However, when we spin it off, we can see that the, what, what we're supposed to be is we're supposed to be faithful unto death. That means we are all going to die at some point we live in bodies that are going to die and he says be faithful unto death that means this is an active call that we all need to come around and realize this is my faithfulness just as the, we, this is what I talked about last week was that this is the engagement period of time where we are faithful to the bridegroom as the bride we're going to be faithful to him We're always going to be running into people that are not going to be friendly towards the gospel. But let me say this. It's, it's not a call for us to, be, to, for us to all find a way to be persecuted. It's a call to faithfulness. Okay? We don't have to go looking for it. It will be there. He says be faithful. That's what our goal is in this message. This is the encouragement Jesus brought to Smyrna. An interesting thing is, is that when he said to the, the, the church of Smyrna, he says, for a time you're going to be tested, and for ten days you're going to experience great tribulation. There was a ten-day period while they were um, imprisoned. They were imprisoned for ten days, and then they were executed. These people were dealing with death, straight up. 
Jesus spoke it. For 10 days, they were imprisoned and underwent torture. And then they were fed to lions. They were uh, used in gladiator zones. They were, they were thrown out there with swords and spears and said, you're going to fight the biggest guy out there for our fun. This is what the Christians dealt with, man and woman and child. That, that was a sick part of their, their, uh, their culture. That they, that they were their form of entertainment. So it's, it is not a call for us to go all out and find a way to be persecuted. It's a call for us to be faithful, whether we're persecuted or not. What's the reward? Jesus says clearly that there's a reward if you are faithful to the very end. He says, I'm going to give you the crown of life. And the crown that Jesus used, the word for crown that he uses is Stephanos, which is the, it's a Greek word for victor. It's a victor's crown. It is totally different than the, uh, this idea of um, a royal crown, a diadem. It, it's, it wasn't... It's not based on entitlement. That, to me, is an incredibly um, interesting place for him to say this because he's giving a contrast. This crown that I give you is a victor's crown. And the world is going to give you a crown of entitlement. In our culture today, we, that is the thing. Entitlement. We deal with this tremendously. In, in our jobs, the people we work with, everybody is entitled to something. The world says we're entitled. We get that from our American heritage. But we look at that also from the perspective of uh, the aspects of royalty. And, and we look up to these, these figures of royalty. And it's, it's an aspect of entitlement. But Jesus comes and says, this is what's better. A crown for a victor. Someone that overcomes. Someone that conquers. He gives us trials so that we can overcome. Amen? You guys, think about your life right now. Think about the areas that you have had to walk through trials. You have had to stand up for your faith. He says, this is okay. You're going to deal with this. I am giving you a victor's crown. What are we going to do with these crowns anyways? I mean, we're not going to be, it's, like I said, it's not a, a royal crown that we get to sit in a lap of luxury, hang out, and just glide over life. No. What he said is, this is a victor's crown. And what we do, if we read a little bit further revelations, is that all, all of us are going to take our crowns and throw them at the feet of Jesus. This is just one more. The the crown is just another tool, a form of worship that we will have in heaven with him. The true reward is eternal life. Amen? Even when we lose, we win. So we've already celebrated Easter. Jesus overcame death. And uh, as believers... We know that because Jesus overcame death, we have overcome death. 
We can stand firm in persecution because he, he promises that we are not going to be touched by the second death. The first death is the death of our bodies. We can all say across the board here, unless Jesus comes back before you pass away, your first death, your body is going to die. But the, Jesus did say this, the second death, you will not die. Which is also found in Genesis if you, read, if you go through the OSL class. You're going to see these tie-ins, these, these parallels that Jesus says in Genesis and Revelations. But he says that you will not die a second death. I want to read Romans 8, 31 through 39. If you have your Bibles, open up there. I do not have a slide for this one. Romans 31 through 39 it says it's 8 31 through 39 what then shall we say to these things if God is for us who can be against us he who did not spare his own son but gave him up for us all for like how will he not also help him graciously give us all things who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is to condemn? Christ is the one who died. More than that, who was raised? Who is at the right hand of God? Who indeed is interceding for us? Who shall separate us from the love of Jesus Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, for your sake... We are being killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor power, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Jesus Christ our Lord. The one who conquers. The one who conquers. This is where we put our trust and our hope. This means for us today that we can live like conquerors in all the things that we do. Guys, I know that your work environments are hostile towards God. Because those who do not have the love of Jesus are hostile naturally towards God. It doesn't mean that you can't have an edifying conversation with the people you work with. And they, and, but inside their spirits, unless the word penetrates their hearts and their minds, and they, and they are, remember, we, there's some that those who water, some that those who, uh, I'm sorry, some that, of those who plant seeds, and the others will water. But it is, it is he who is the harvester. So we are going to have great conversations with people. And yet we will also have conversations with those who are not going to be as receiving. But we are conquerors in that we can stand firm. Look at the growth around the world in churches that are being persecuted. China is in the millions, hundreds of millions of Christians who don't even have the opportunity to meet in a place like this. Because of persecution, they come to Christ in droves. 
because Jesus does something tremendously amazing. In the life. Sometimes I feel like we as Christians, lives get boring. Our lives get boring. It's like for us, like living, being faithful to Christ is just coming to church on Sunday or maybe even attempting to go to a life group, you know, just once a week. Like that's our idea of being faithful or tithing or serving in, in one place or the other. Those are all good things, but think about what it means to be faithful to him when your life depends on it. And do you know that there are churches around the world that are praying for persecution for us? That kind of rubbed me the wrong way when I heard that. I was like, wait a second. I like my little country. You know, I don't have to worry about, you know, persecution like this. But they're praying that we would receive something of eternal of eternal measure that cannot be received in any other way. But in our day and age today, we could still receive a victor's crown by being faithful to him, by stepping up to the plate and doing the things that you know within your heart it is difficult to do. It is the guidance of the Holy Spirit that says, I want you to do this. And then it is our response to say, okay, Lord, you are my God. I will do this. It rubs me the wrong way. It is, too, I, it is too early to get up in the morning and do things here and there to, to serve in, either in the church or in the, in the different parachurch organizations that we have in our community. It's, it's too hard. It takes a lot of it. I mean, I want to do stuff, but it kind of goes against my natural flow. I've made a routine for my life. Jesus is going to call you out outside of the routine. He's going to call you out to do things that go beyond your capacity, your ability. And that's where it says to be faithful to Jesus. I'm excited for this church, and I'm excited for what is going on across the board in Grace Capital Church, because people are being raised up to do ministry, the ministry that God has called us all to do. And so I'm excited that we are being, the, the fire has been lit. God is bringing us into a, a whole nother um, season of being excited to serve him. And so I look at this and I say, I am going to not get downtrodden. I am not going to let the world come in and speak lies to me. And I, he's not going to detract me from serving my God. He is not going to help me. He's not going to make me fall in line to worship Caesar, the culture today. So Jesus gave the Church of Smyrna some instructions that I, I want to get going here. It's getting late, but it's so important. They were, to be, they were not to be fearful of what they were about to suffer, Right? He says, do not fear. Jesus told them to be faithful unto death. That means persevere. Then he says, to the one who conquers, I will, they will not be hurt by the second death. That's a promise. And in uh, Luke 12, 4 through 12, it says this. You can just write down this, this message, uh, this, this verse. Luke 12, 4 through 12. I tell you, my friends, do not fear those who kill the body, and after that have nothing more that they can do. But I will warn you whom to fear. Fear him. This, these are the words of Jesus, by the way. Fear him who, after he has killed, has the authority to cast into hell. Yes, I tell you, fear him. 
Are not five sparrows sold for two pennies? And not one of them is forgotten before God. Why, even the hairs of your head are all numbered. Fear not, you are more valuable than many sparrows. And I tell you that everyone who acknowledges me before men, the Son of Man will also acknowledge before the angels of God. And everyone who speaks a word against the Son of Man will be forgiven, but the one who blasphemes against the Holy Spirit will not be forgiven. And when they bring you before the synagogues, your co-workers, your leaders, rulers, and authorities, do not be anxious about how you should defend yourself or what you should say, for the Holy Spirit will teach you in that very hour what you ought to say. There's something about reading the Word of God that just... He comes over us and He will lead us to be victors in our lives, the people that we do life with, our neighbors. I need to wrap this up real quick here. This is all part of being a church that is living a life on mission. This is all a part of us being committed to the cause. This is all part of veritas. You see, we don't preach messages kind of willy-nilly. The Lord leads us to bring all of us as a body into strength because He is preparing us to do the work of the ministry. And I need to share this with you. We are committed to the cause. The truth of God. We are going to be people that conquer. This is who we are and who we will become. Uh, For a moment here, I want you all just to stop and I I want you guys to close your eyes. and, And this is an important part of today's message. I want you to close your eyes and you know people that you have on your heart that right now as, as I'm talking God is going to put the names of those people on your heart just one person that God desires to bring to him through you again I will say it again some, some plant seeds and some water but this is our part we, we will pray and each, each person that is on your heart right now I just want you to start praying for them This is what it is to be faithful to God. God is going to lead you into conversations with these people. And some of these conversations you yourself are going to have to initiate. Father God, we lift up the names of the people on our hearts that need you. They need the strong voice of the Lord to be spoken into their heart and they need to be called by your name to be written in the Lamb's Book of Life. Jesus, the people that we are interceding for, there are many who make a constant pleading for their lives. For those who have these, these names, I pray, Jesus, that you would encourage them, Lord God, right now. You will, you will pour out your presence on them, Lord Jesus. Like you said, your Holy Spirit will fill our mouths with what needs to be said when it needs to be said. God, lead us into the conversations that we need to have 
with our brothers and our sisters, our moms and our dads. But you also said that you are my brother and my mother. You are my, my sister and my father. You clearly said that we are your family. And that is where we hold our firm foundation in. God, with these people that we're praying for right now, that you would, you would have great compassion on them, have great compassion in the conversations. Let us not be weary, let us not be weak, but let us be loving in the conversations we will have in the weeks to come. I am going to put this on, I, I think this is, this is a challenge and I think that this is a, uh, something we need to be doing. This is, goes beyond just praying for those people. But we need to make contact with those people. To tell them that you love them. To tell them that you're praying for them. You don't have to invite them to church tomorrow. <laughs> but you do need to reach out to them. You need to make that point of contact. And watch what God will do. be a progression in this. One conversation will lead to the next conversation. It may be good. It may be a form of persecution. But continue to love them through that. And don't take it personally. Father, we just lift up these, these people, these precious souls to you. And we ask that your spirit would do an incredible work Going back to what Sherry said, if if you need if you need uh, the Lord to touch you right now in a, in a special way to give you strength, I want you to come up here, and I, I want the prayer team to come up and, and pray for you, the elders, the, the the prayer team, those who those who have a, a significant burden to pray for others. Don't be shy. If God is saying, I need prayer right now, I want you to come and respond. If you would like to know more about Grace Capital Church or how to get a copy of this broadcast, please visit us online at gccnh.com.